Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. What up? How's it going? Yo. As uh, we said in the 90s, what up? What What are you guys drinking? I am finishing off a beer after a a nice long day at work. And then I poured myself a Topo Chico and Mezcal. Super simple. And then I got the rest of the Chico. Is Topo Chico a hard seltzer inherently? No, 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 no. Topo Chico makes hard seltzer as well. Okay, but it's a sparkling But I don't think it's that great. I only see Topo Chico in Montana grocery stores in the beer aisle. I've never seen it like by LaCroix. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they totally make a sober version. That is the primary. It's a mineral water. Oh, great. (laughs) I don't want to bore you with the details, but it stays carbonated a long time. Like you could have the top off and in the next morning after you've drinking half of it because you forgot about it, wow. it'll still be carbonated. Classic ADHD. Speaking of Chico, <laughs> Chico was bought. Yeah, it was. I saw that. Chico Hot Springs, Livingston, Montana. Rest in peace. Rip. Well, I mean, yes. it won't. It's still alive. It's, but, still, you yeah. know. it's going to be different. Emily, what are you drinking? <laughs> I went into the, what do you call that? Lazy Susan in the kitchen of the, pars- of the church in the dark and it's pouring rain and I stumbled through. <laughs> to see what I could find. And I pulled out a packet of apple cider and I'm like, you know what? It's pouring down rain right now. I'm wearing my favorite sweatshirt of all time. Apple cider. Theologian. Yeah. Yeah. Just apple cider is set in the mood. So that's what I'm having. That's great. Wait, I thought you said apple sauce for a second. (laughs) Yes, Josh, I am drinking apple sauce. (laughs) Wait, I'm confused. Apple cider. Apple cider. I got it. I'm on the same page now. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, it wouldn't be unheard of. You've ate yogurt on the show before, and I had yeah, cereal last Steven week. Yeah, and Stephen had so. cereal, so let yeah. me have and, my apple, well, you my know imaginary the, like, apple sauce. Well, you know the applesauce crushers? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No. Oh, I, I drink those all the time. Wait, the what? The, it's like a little like baby food-like packaging, but it's not oh, made for babies. With the big it's like green, a little applesauce snack pack. Like big little green go-go cap. things. Yeah. 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 Thea loves those things. I love them. They're great. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought maybe you found some of those. No, but I bet I have some in my office. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I'm drinking water. It's real boring. That's all I have. It's just an algae hey, full water's water. Water's not boring. Yeah. It gives life. It's, it is life. Water is life. If we know anything about the Trinity, it's that it may We're not, be. We can't. Oh my God. Not the Trinity. I meant to say water. <laughs> we can't talk about the Trinity again. And the Trinity is not like water. We definitively proved that last week. We've, we have decided it's not. We had a little ravel council. But water has memory. Yes. Thank you, Frozen 2. Okay. It's my episode today and I want to get right into it, you guys. Let's do it. Um, I teased this last time. 
Uh, we talked about patience the last time. It was it was my turn. Hell yeah! But this I'm is so ready for this. This is round two of essentially continuation of episode one forty one here on episode one fifty one, <laughs> and the central thesis of the episode will be that I don't belong in Christianity, and my friend Josh thinks I still have a chance, or at least he did ten episodes ago. He Let's does. see if that changed. Oh, he, good, it did not change. He still does. Okay, yeah. So, first of all, Emily, it's going to feel like you're kind of like mediator here. Um, hey, that's what I'm best at. Oh, I mean, please jump in, too. Like, don't, yeah. uh, don't make this all about me and Steven, please. I, so, but actually, I wanted to start with Emily, and I wanted to see where you land on this spectrum. Because 10 episodes ago, I came out as what I call global agnosticism, personal atheism, and those were not personal titles just now i recognize that those were isms but josh had a very kind word for me and said that there's still room for me within christianity if i want there to be and you had a very touching benediction about making room at the table yes so but where do you where do you land on this where do you where do you feel your sympathies lie i'm not trying to create teams but here's the thing If Christianity, if we are to strip it down to the bare basics, Christianity is following in the ways of Jesus Christ. It doesn't necessarily mean that you believe in all of the institutional isms that comes with Christianity. What it means is is you're following the ways of this guy who came from Nazareth, was a Palestinian Jew, and transformed the world. That doesn't mean that you have to accept the reality of Jesus Christ and God being the only answer. Hmm. I have people in my church who wrestle with the idea of God existing, you know, and trying to make sense of it, yet they still come to church, right? So you, I feel, are in a place where you're making sense of the world in a way that is life-giving for you and you can still follow the teachings of Jesus and not be a Christian. You can still believe in the moral elements that Jesus led by and not be a Christian. And I full-heartedly believe that you follow in the ways of Jesus and you're not a Christian. You love your neighbor. You resist evil and injustice and oppression. You care for creation. You are deeply rooted in an understanding that there is more to this world than just us. And I can't determine what it is you should believe. But what I do know is that the table is big enough for you because it's not my table and it's not your table, frankly. And that I think is the beauty in it. So where I fall on it is Josh is absolutely right. And if you have anything other than to say, we'll still love you, but we kindly disagree. <laughs> okay that is thank you emily i i appreciate that i think that that yeah. is i think that's very well worded and i also think that that as someone this is going to sound so redundant but I, like as someone who does not go to church right now does not see himself going to church anytime in the near future i think that it's very meaningful for myself at least hearing that come from a pastor mm. i think that's very mm-hmm. yeah um i'm trying to like i'm like struggling to find the right adjective but I think that's very meaningful, and I also think that that's very kind. Thank you. Pastoral, if you will. Pastoral. Thank you. Yeah. 
man, just, just by the weight of you guys knowing me so well and being my friends that that could very easily sway me for sure. Um, okay. I feel hung up on a few, like, unfortunately, basically definitional issues. And I don't, (laughs) I don't really want to rehash our episode 90 where Josh asks who is a Christian, but I'm kind of doing that, I guess. Like I, you know, I can acknowledge that, but I just have a sense of, well, I'll say it like this. I think you two have huge hearts in that you embody the actual message of what this Palestinian Jew did and how he transformed the world. But unfortunately, I still think you're in the minority that hold that opinion that I can mm. have a seat at this table. Mm. Steven, a couple years ago, I would have probably had this opinion. And in fact, I've probably given this to some of my friends who were atheist at the time in a, in a sort of form of, I don't believe in that God either that you're rejecting. Mm-hmm. So therefore you should be open to Christianity. Like not quite the same way, but in a very similar way to like what Dan Koch does on a couple episodes. Oh yeah. Where they go back and forth and he's like, Oh, I don't believe in that version of God either, but I'm still a Christian. So what are you going to do about it? I think I would have been there a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just want to like lay it out there that like me having this opinion in no way am I trying to sway you back. Like I'm not trying to say like, mm-hmm. no, I'm rejecting the same things you're rejecting. So therefore you should be where I'm at. I'm, I'm not trying to hold that to you. So I just want to like put that out there. And I don't um, feel that I'll say great. Out. I don't feel that from either of you. And I mean, you know me and I mean to anyone who's new ish and doesn't know me as well, because you haven't listened to the full backlog yet. No shame. I've loosely identified for quite a while as an agnostic ish Christian or a Christian ish agnostic. And I feel very comfortable sitting in the gray and acknowledging the bilateral nature of faith and doubt, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And like the part of me that wants to say there's room for someone like Steven in the conversation of Christianity, I would say is twofold. Number one, I think there's like just room for you in the conversation, right? Like we are doing this and this is very much- Oh, I'm not rejecting that. (laughs) Sure. Well, I know, but like my, the way that I see Christianity now is like that Christianity is an ever flowing, everly present Mm. dialogue that is like intertwining and untangling in itself. And I think that there's room for like a complete non-believer in that conversation. Mm -hmm. That is holding very, very much to like a Jewish- tradition that totally yeah i think it's much more in line with that than with say evangelical christianity yeah and i guess that's where i'm coming from and that's where i'm struggling so much oh i'm sorry you had you had a point b to make we'll come back to evangelicalism and my uh launch pad uh my point b is just like the small (laughs) the small hypothesis that i think that there should be more room for doubt in being a christian And I think that there should be room for someone like myself as much as I think that there should be room for someone like you, Mm. whether or not you're wanting to call yourself a Christian. Yeah. Well, as a label. And so that's part of where I'm coming from as well. I'll push back a little bit on like, again, I I love the heart and I love the energy you guys have that what you, what you said is there should be room for me. I just don't think it's there. Yeah. Your opinion is like the majority doesn't accept you. Therefore you're not accepted. Right. Yeah, that's true. And whether, you know, whether I'm just like throwing myself at the feet of the tyranny of 
the majority to feel like a martyr to feel better about myself you know i'm no stranger to accepting labels like called myself the heretic in our midst on episode six right like i'm no stranger to that for sure but i guess where i'm coming from especially in my context from evangelicalism from calvinism in particular that's a very rigid structure and i recognize that calvinism is not all of christianity but at the time in my life it might as well have been when i was being raised in it and to be honest they teach that they are actually the only real christians anyway re i didn't believe Emily was a Christian until our senior year in high school, and I'm still embarrassed about that a little bit. But hey, <laughs> that's right. We've repented of many things since then. Um, hmm. yeah. So, kind of where I'm coming from is like a just this felt sense of while I do think there is room for the raveling, and we can certainly dance in the gray space. I still think that we are outliers when we say those kinds of things, hmm. and that tradition even dictates that while I could be welcome inside a church community or welcome inside the Christian community, like if I were to call myself a Christian right now, I, I, I almost, I, I'm almost making an appeal to tradition to say that tradition itself would say, no, not quite. And I do think that's based on some, some bias I have ingrained in me that specific doctrinal assent is required for belonging, but that's kind of where I'm stuck because mm. I love the idea that someone can be a follower of Jesus and not a Christian and basically accidentally be a Christian. I love the idea of someone being inspired by the moral teaching and the ethical values and all that. And in some meaningful way, a reverend can recognize that and say, yeah, you are actually walking the narrow way. The narrow way really never was about doctrinal ascent. However, it's hard for me to not be stuck on the fact that like, I do believe that that Palestinian Jew that transformed the world did exist and that he did transform the world. Mm. But the things that the major, I think the easy majority of current and historical Christians would say is that affirmation of some form of divinity in that person and the resurrection of that person is required to have faith in to belong. What do you say to that? Uh, I have a couple thoughts, at least, but I don't want to hog the mic either. Should so, we? No, no, no. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. You ain't, you ain't hogging. You ain't hogging, I, wanna, I promise. I, I want to touch on two overarching points. I want to I wanna speak to someone being a Christian, despite not identifying as a Christian. And I want to also speak to ascending. Ascending? Is it ascending to belief or is it yeah. ascending to belief? Ascent. Why do we use that language? That's so weird. Anyway, I'm going to speak to the ascent Words, to belief man. Bit. Words. Um, I think I'm going to go with the belief bit first. Kind of going back to our conversation about the Trinity last week and also so many other conversations we've had here, right? Like I, we could use so many different examples. I think that like inherently, if you're going to speak to the tradition of Christianity, you like have to hearken, like eventually you have to get back to first cause, like first communities. Mm. And I'm not saying, Stephen, you're doing this, but like example of Calvinism, since you brought that up, I think that like somebody who is just rejecting Calvinism is not inherently rejecting, quote unquote, traditional Christianity. Like they are, in fact, rejecting, you know, set of beliefs. But th so then like if we go like far enough back, we just have to acknowledge that like not all Christians agreed 
even like in the original communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't agree on labels. They didn't agree on divinity. They didn't agree about Trinity for 400 years. They didn't agree about Canon. Like it was all dialogue. It was all disagreement, but also that was okay. That was accepted. Even if like there may have been some like no true Christian camps, it wasn't that like solidified either. So like, even if they like really disagreed with another group because of whatever schools of thought they disagreed with, they like still acknowledged that those groups were around and somehow following in the footsteps of Jesus. Like somehow they were all centralizing around similar beliefs, even if they disagreed. So I think that at this point, and this is me, I think that at this point, I feel pretty okay with there being room for grace, for lack of a better word, on basically every Christian issue. Mm. Like, say someone doesn't believe in the Trinity. All right. Or say someone doesn't believe in the literal Jesus, but they're like still trying to be a Christian and follow Jesus. All right. Sounds great. Like, you are, you are a Christian if you want to be. And so, like, to you, I guess, I don't want to just deny that you don't want to be a Christian. Or that you're even... I, I, don't, even, I don't even want to put that language on you, that, it, like, it's a desire a desire thing because like i guess you didn't technically say that Mm -hmm. but like i don't i don't want to put on you that like you can't do that (laughs) you know Mm. but like i just like want to like acknowledge that point about belief that like i don't think it's all about belief but then going to the other side of like can someone be a christian without identifying as a christian i think that that is really difficult because for instance i think gandhi gets thrown out a lot and (laughs) was grand was gandhi a great example of nonviolence and arguably took from the teachings of Jesus. Yes. Was Gandhi a Christian in the sense that Gandhi identified as a Christian? Absolutely not. And I would argue we should therefore not put that label on him. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a form of Christian superiority to like, mm. like tradition steal someone and say like, Oh no, they were Christian. Yeah. When yeah. they fundamentally did not say that. So like, I don't want to put that in your mouth either, Stephen. I don't want to say, no, you're Christian when you're like fundamentally saying no i'm not (laughs) like you know but i do think i i think that there's plenty of room for inspiration and i think that it's a different story Uh, this is this is a hard one to flesh out so maybe this is not the best point to make right now but i think it's a different story when someone is coming from christianity like from a christian background versus not like it is fundamentally different to call gandhi a christian or like someone following the footsteps of jesus versus calling you someone who is informed by christianity or like following the footsteps of jesus quote unquote because like you came from christianity Mm. and so like therefore like it is a tradition that is a part of your story and i think that's okay to acknowledge with like whatever language fits the best but like i think it's good to acknowledge that like identifying someone as like being true to the tradition that they grew up in even if they don't identify like like true to its values for instance versus like ascending to the beliefs of their tradition that they grew up in i think that that can be like a cultural acknowledgement versus like Mm. like an imposing of identity onto someone who is fundamentally not that thing Mm -hmm. i guess that's like i'm that's really hard to distill down but do you feel like you see the point that i'm making yeah, I mean, what strikes me is already we've made an, uh, an allusion to Judaism and like I'm I'm thinking about how they kind of already have a framework for like like being culturally Jewish versus practicing yes, Judaism. I think that's a distillation of what you're telling me. 
Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my question, Stephen. Yeah. Do you want there to be room at the table for you? Mm. Uh, that is a question that snipes me to my very core, Emily. <laughs> wow. I, hmm. Because at the end of the day, hear me out. There may be people who say there should not be, and there are going to be people like Josh and I that say, yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, you kind of decide if there is room at the table. Yeah, like, I've kind of been dwelling on this lately. In a way, it feels as if I'm in almost a voluntary exile. Mm. Mm. And I don't know if it'll end or not. You know, it's, it's, it's a moment of like, hey. Man, you're in Babylon. Just set up shop and make the city prosper. You know what I mean? Like, which is interesting. And I think maybe we can have a future conversation about just like ex the role of like exile and the story of exile in the Bible. I think that would be interesting. But using that word, like it, it it's a question of desire, right? I think that's what you're getting at. Like, do you even want to be at the table, even if there's a chair open for you to? Mm-hmm take and right now i feel like i feel i still feel like i'm struggling with this image of a table where on one end of the table there are people who who don't want me there and then on the other side are my friends josh and emily beck beckoning me to share a plate of food with them but it's one table right and uh, to be honest i'm just i'm so tired of that part of it of the back and forth like who's in who's out conversation because i think the who's in who's out is a question of old religion and i think christianity represents what could be a very new way of doing things quite literally a new covenant because the scriptural conversation going on after the gospels i feel like it's actually really embodied in the way paul and peter have conflict about who belongs do the gentiles actually have a seat at this table Paul insists they do. Peter thinks they do, has doubts, is kind of wishy-washy on it, has a vision about it, and his, his mind has changed. He's metanoid, right? But like that, that is like the central question of the New Testament in my mind is like who belongs. And I think there are certain ways that certain Christians, of which I was the type most recently, to say you're kind of... It's almost like, gosh, if I end up being a Christian kicking and screaming (laughs) because of the kind of Christian universalism I was into and still am kind of into in a really weird way, it's like, yeah, so be it. Like if I'm wrong about it and the result is that, then I almost feel like I've, I've got all my bases covered in a way. I'm struggling with having the feeling of... I don't know how to answer the question of my own desire right now. What feels so loud is the fact that others have a desire to not welcome me at the table. And before we go any further, I really want to acknowledge how fucking privileged I am and how ridiculous it sounds that I'm like, oh, woe is me. I don't hold to specific theological convictions and therefore I'm not welcome when folks of minorities of all shapes colors and sizes like i'm at the i i'm uh, like everything in my life is a green light and i'm still having a struggle with feeling like belonging and 
I really want to recognize the fact that so many people do want a seat at the table that I'm walking away from at this moment. And they've been fighting for that for centuries or millennia, right? <sighs> it's also okay to just be tired and not want it too. Like I, I do think that yeah. that's completely valid. And I like, I can't emphasize that enough, even though I believe that there should be room. And I think that there is room and you're right in only certain communities for people of atheistic and agnostic leanings mm-hmm. or just like firm belief. Yeah. But I agree. It's super hard to like even consider that when like so much of Christian ideology in the West has become so focused on us versus them in versus out, even like in and amongst Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Steven, as we've been like, I know that I knew that this episode was going to come up <laughs> and I haven't done any research like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> classic par for the course for this pod. Like I, no research required yeah. um, except our own personal experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I really think, and again, not trying to sway you. I think that I have a very similar belief set to you. Say more, Josh. <laughs> like, do I believe in the resurrection? No. Do I believe in the Trinity? No, and also don't care. <laughs> uh, what, what other? Ten- Do I believe in inerrancy? No. Mm. <laughs> but are there like forms and functions of Christianity that like accept me for that? Yes. <laughs> Even though I'm not going to church, right? like, but also do I want to be a part of church right now? No. <laughs> so like, like someone could like look at me and you and be like, like why, why, the, why the fuck are they even talking about this like when they're both the same person right like belief wise or action wise yeah and i really believe that if the church has any hope for the future people like us have to be made room for oh i said that sentence so weird the church has to make room for people like us and not in an not in a like outreach you need to be a part of us belief wise and we need to disciple you but in a we need each other sort of way in like a like hearkening back to like the dialectic of atheism and theism and like we are dead without the other and like we need each other to question and interrogate each other and like we can do that in community mm-hmm. and like there can be room in religion for 
atheists and agnostics. But do you think that community that we can do that in, like, it's still, okay, so Emily had a wonderful phrase at the beginning of, like, this is not my table to welcome you to, and it's not your table either, right? Like, there's something about, like, no, it's here, and I'm at an equal place, right? First, last, last, first, uh, as Jesus says in a very succinct way. In, like... There is a community that we do this in, and it's, it's the Ravel community, right? But that's like it. Parachurch conversation aside about what we're doing with our Discord and what we're doing around our podcast, like that still feels different. And I know Emily is already saying, like, we don't need the institutional church to help define what we're doing in community, acknowledged. But even then, it feels like the community is based on something else that's that is just not centered around what i'm trying to center or what i'm questioning like the center should be i guess it feels very meta in a way and i don't know if i'm if i'm saying that well but to say that we can have the dialectical conversation in community 100 percent, totally believe that i'm just not sure that is like specifically like christian community as it were or at least or at least that the majority would recognize yeah i know i think that that's a really interesting nuanced point because like you're right like the thing that we're doing with the podcast and having a discord is like by us putting something out there into the world we will attract similar people to ourselves and so therefore we're like centering around ideas and beliefs still even if some of those ideas and beliefs are the fact that we can disagree about each other and like Mm -hmm. recognize each other in different places of faith and doubt and i what i feel like what you're saying is like that is fundamentally not american christian Mm mm-hmm at least by like most people's standards, maybe not by Emily's standards yeah, and like some denominations or hmm. congregations, but like what we're saying is like by majority standards. Sure. Yeah. It's like, I I'm all for playing in the gray or like, even if we want to use the color spectrum as an example, like our logo is based on the primary colors, right? Red, blue, yellow. We can play in the space between red and yellow and dance in like infinite, like variables of what orange looks like between red and yellow but fundamentally red cannot be yellow. Right. Mm, mm. So like I, I'm, I'm all for playing in the space and I'm all for smudging all the paints together and making a big colorful rainbow on the palette, Bob Ross style. But it's like, at some point red isn't yellow. And at some point, like Christian isn't something else or I'm not Christian that I, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think maybe I'm still really, really stuck in this idea, this very black and white idea of like very specific, doctrinal assent is required but at the same time i kind of want to honor the people who think that that's the way to do christianity and i don't want to take that away Mm -hmm. from them either and it's like i don't want to continue to represent a threat to the people who need the doctrinal assent to feel like they're safe to have the kind of small group interactions they need for actual life change for community change I think you said it really well. I think tired, honestly, it's just like a fatigue of like, mm. like the, the, the conversation that's always born. I bump into someone at a coffee shop who I went to youth group with. Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but like you and I both know where we disagree or you meet someone else and you mention that you're like, you're spiritual and yeah, I, I, I identify as a Christian. And then at least I always felt this knee jerk, like, Oh, but like not the kind that you're reading about on the news or what, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like defending, I'm not that kind of Christian. Let me tell you. And like the more specific I tried to be about what my brand of Christian looked like, 
the more they were like, Oh, Christians could do that. So there's even like pop culture definitions of Christianity that exist that I felt like I was outside of. And also to round out my little personal rants of just like not feeling like I'm belonging. Like, you know, I have family members who we would have that conversation and I would say like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but like, here's where we disagree. And at some point it started presenting itself to me as an easier solution to say, no, I'm an atheist now, actually. I've deconverted. I've changed. There's something fundamentally different about me because like, if it's going to be easier for you to have a conversation with me with atheist slapped on my forehead rather than Christian mm. asterisk, <laughs> and maybe that's what keeps us like actually in community, like we're blood relatives. And as long as I'm trying to hold on to Christian asterisk, we're always going to be in contention. But if you can accept like, oh, he's atheist now, we can start the conversation from a different place or we can set the boundary to say, we don't talk about religion together because we know we disagree. It's like, am I not giving them a gift by letting them see me as a lost sheep instead of a wolf in sheep's clothing? Mm. I relate to that. I think that for a long time, I have been the Christian asterisk. And Emily, maybe you have too. I don't know. Maybe you've had less of a time with I that. would say, yeah. I think that the qualifying... Is really difficult, but I also think that like anyone in Christianity cannot get away from qualifying no matter where on the spectrum they are. Like everyone does it. And I think it's perfectly acceptable to unsubscribe from that. Unsubscribe is such a perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Like even if like, for instance, Stephen, I think I get the sense from you wanting to do this podcast still, for instance, I get the sense that you still believe that life giving theology is out there and is meaningful for many people and that many people do need Christianity and you not in a superiority way, but you feel these days that you do not need that and that label. Yeah. That's the sense I get. Uh, resonates rings true. And, uh, more power to you. Jesus was also not a Christian. A. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much I want to belabor the point that I believe that there is room for you and people like you with your beliefs in Christianity, because ultimately If you don't want that, you don't want that. And I also think that's okay, which is crazy to say out loud because like me saying (laughs) that out loud or even saying that I agree with you, literally so many Christians could come to me and be like, well, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's illegitimate. And (laughs) and I'm like, I don't care what you think. (laughs) Like, there's room for me. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes I feel like I'm just still a Christian out of spite. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, but also, okay, like I I want to give I want to give Emily some major credit because like I think that the recognition of the table is not mine or yours to set for anyone else and that there's always a seat open, especially in this like Ubuntu way of like let me feed you instead of oh, let's feed Ubuntu. each other or feed ourselves yes. at the table, right? Like Damn it, that's beautiful. Come on. Like Christ consciousness embodied is that, is that we all belong. And we, like, it's the father saying to the older prodigal son, like, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Like, we were never not together here. And it's your striving to be good that got in the way. And it's your younger brothers striving to be individuated that got in the way. Like, you were always with me and everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. that's good stuff that's that good is, that's good that's gospel <laughs> yes please amen 
So yeah, I, I, I am actually feeling like it is coming down to a choice. And for right now, the choice is like, I, I just need a break at least. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And like people need to honor that, you know? Mm. What's interesting to me too, on a personal level is your, and this is not a critique at all. Oh, could be. That's okay. You, I mean, it might be. Please take it as one if you'd like it to be. You're still interested in like talking about theology and raveling out faith mm-hmm. and doubt and mm-hmm. like the effects that it has on you or the world or like talking about these things as a dialogue. And so like I still see, at least at this point, to me it seems like you still see all of that as inherently valuable regardless of like what the motivation yeah. behind that is. And I will be really interested to see long-term a, if like that motivation changes or decreases at all for you and B, if like you will get more tired of talking about biblical and like specifically Christian ideology type things, the longer you're far away from it in a sense, like Mm. as in like, Mm. even you're just like not oriented towards that. Even if like you still continue to do ravel, like for instance, we haven't even like, I mean, I'm sure at some point we're going to stop doing this podcast as much as I hate to admit it. Say it like, so. Life is going to happen at some point. One of us is going to, I don't know, who knows? Like maybe one of us, maybe till death do us part. Who knows? But like at some point I will be interested to see if you like also want a break from talking about these things at all. Because like, I don't get the sense that you want to stop talking about these things anytime soon. And maybe it's just because it's so fresh but like, even though you want to break from being Christian and like fighting for your Christian identity, I still get this sense that like you're motivated to talk about it. Well, I don't feel like I've arrived. Ooh. I think that's, that's Whoa. primarily where my energy is, is like, I have new conclusions that I'm holding right now, but that's like, it's as if I'm on this five mile stretch of the Appalachian trail that happens to be particularly forested, but the next five miles might be along a lake beach or whatever it's like Mm. i don't feel like i've arrived and i'm pitching camp there's still journey to be journeyed right and fundamentally i really believe that the way you do anything is the way you do everything and i i really think that it's inspired by curiosity and like plasticity ultimately i want to keep thinking about this because you know, like, like in the same way, like I, I feel like I would be afraid of the life that I would have developed if I just like planted my flag and built a homestead within evangelicalism or even progression Christianity or atheism, you know, like, oh gosh, dang it guys. I'm floating on the living water. Okay. Can you just let me like <laughs> float the river? <laughs> I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Do you feel like you've gotten any more or less cynical? Yes. Since yes. I feel more like more or less biblical conversations <laughs> are way too myopic. Oh, M- can we get a definition of myopic in the chat, please? I always forget. Uh, tunnel vision. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It gets confusing because people say the word biopic as biopic. Yes. And it's, it's, that's nonsense. People. It's a biographical <laughs> moving picture biopic anyway sorry i hope to have a biopic about me someday so, i can't do this with you right now well okay so wh- where i'm at now where the cynicism really is right now is i feel like conversation about bible 
is very often just way too myopic and way too uh like the bible gets used for so much like circular reasoning and circular mm. theologies because it just hyperlinks itself and i get i i to be honest i'm just kind of like bored with a lot of like well in this verse it says it's like good uh, dude i don't care there's a meta narrative here let's talk about that mm. much in the same way that i can distill the entire new testament to the fight between who belongs at the table jews and gentiles question mark <laughs> that's way more interesting to me than like quoting chapter verse from titus again i agree with you that's the that's <laughs> part of the problem here i completely agree with you <laughs> and once again we're just we're just proving that it's choice it's like i don't want to be here right now mm. here as in christianity it, what a little mm. arian you are here's the other what thing <laughs> but here's the other thing and this is especially uh poignant You're all about for, that free will yeah, particularly poignant for the way I'm vibing with uh, my man Feuerbach in the essence of Christianity is I also think there's a lot of room and an argument to be made that my feeling of not belonging in Christianity is a projection I'm putting on it myself uh, and that it's just it's self-doubt incarnate or it's feelings of not enoughness that I'm projecting onto a religious system that I need to say it back to me to confirm something about my place in the world. Can you say that again? <laughs> take, take it, take it from the top. Like I think I knew Wait. what you were saying. All right, I'm, I'm going to try this. Emily, do you think you could say what I just said? No. Oh, come on. okay. All right, that's fine. No, it's just so dense. I need to hear it again. Like I think I hear what you're saying, but I'm like, I want to make sure. Is what, what I'm saying is I think there's room for an argument to be made that. My felt sense of not belonging within Christianity that I say that I couch in like, well, the vast majority of Christians would disagree with you because of X, Y, and Z. Perhaps those are still convictions that I myself hold that I'm projecting onto the system of Christianity Mm -hmm. so that it's mirrored back to me to make it feel like it's not coming from inside me, but that it's like a top down. Well, the institution doesn't want me. It's like a way of projecting Mm. like. I don't want to say that I don't want to be here. I'd rather be told that I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because taking the ownership of that is, to be honest, a little bit of, uh, like existentially terrifying. Uh, so he would say that even the act of, even if like the act of religion is projection and the beliefs therein, but also the rejection of religion is projection. Could be. That's how I'm extrapolating it, at least. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting, like, philosophical take. I also think that something, and this is probably going to be a future episode. I'm sure I've already, like, written one down that we're going to talk about on my next one. I think that something being a projection, like, even if we can measurably, which is really difficult, by the way, like, psychologically speaking, but if, like, you can, like, reasonably support that something is a projection, I would strongly argue that that does not invalidate the perception of that thing being a reality, like almost in a very similar way that like, do dreams exist? Yes. In that you experienced your dream, right? Is it a reflection of like your day to day lived reality in the universe? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the sense that you experienced them while you were sleeping. And here's, and that's actually my favorite thing that I've gleaned from Feuerbach thus far reading his work is that he actually leaves room for that too. Like he, Mm. he's a philosopher that 
many of his peers described as the friend to theologians because mm. he pointed out what I think are very poignant ways of religion as projection of uh, human consciousness and humanity's work as society and culture. But he doesn't want to take that away from anyone and neither do I. Mm. 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 For the little bit of cynicism that I, that I have around biblicism right now, I don't want to be the atheist who's like fucking burn it all down. It's all trash. Literally no one is benefited by Christianity ever. Be, I, that's just patently not true. Well, to be fair, a fair amount of it is trash. So also yeah, valid. But this whole podcast is about finding all the life giving bits. And I think we've done a damn good job of it over 150 episodes. Hell yeah. 151. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. <laughs> Yeah, so like, I don't know, man. I don't want to take that away from anyone, but uh, it's also mm. it also to invoke another philosophical allegory analogy. Like, it feels like I came out of Plato's cave and I'm seeing things. It's like, oh, the shadows that were dancing on the wall. That was actually just my hand, and I was doing shadow puppetry the whole time. Mm. I don't know. Amen, we, brother. We could keep going for sure. For sure, crazy. Um, Emily. Steven. Uh, kind of as a closing question, because Josh and I have been uh, playing ping pong back and forth, and you're kind of just like standing at the net watching the ball go back and forth. Which I love. I actually have a legitimate question for you. Certainly as a pastor, but also as my friend, does any bit of this conversation grieve you? Mm. Hmm. Grieve me. Um, no, actually, I would say... What would grieve me is living under the falsehood of something you don't actually believe in. Mm. That is what would make me sad. Mm. You know what I love about you, Emily? What? Is that you say <laughs> almost exactly what I could have predicted you would have said. <laughs> and none of that is contrived or faked. Oh. I mean, you're so genuine, consistent. He's getting a consistency. That's what he's trying to get at. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I like that take. I would unfortunately say that I am grieved by this conversation mm. in that I think it's unfortunate that a form of religion exists that is so harsh and hurtful that you have to reject mm. it. Mm hmm. Because if I think if religion is everything that it says it was and Christianity specifically was everything that it says it was, no one would ever reject it Yeah, and shouldn't feel the Amen. need to reject it. And like whether you want to say, I think there's a lot of people out there that'll be like, well, you're rejecting the church and the people that hurt you. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that in some cases that is true and may even be true for you, Stephen. But like... Mm -hmm. That can be true, but also like the form of Christianity often enabled those people to act a certain way. And that is super unfortunate. That, mm. yeah. And I think that's worth grieving. So I'm sorry you had to reject it. But also I respect, I, I like similar to Emily's point, I, I respect you for rejecting it fully. And I think that that is honorable and brave. And I don't know if I'll ever do that or not. But I look at you as someone who has like a very similar belief set, quote unquote as me and i'm like man good for you mm. run on mm. so did we sway you 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I once again we've come to what could be I mean like we're good podcasters, but in a way we're bad podcasters because we don't push on the conflict points enough. <laughs> because that's what makes spicy content. No, because once again I'm just led to a place of like I'm so glad to be here and I'm so glad we do this together. Uh yeah, I I feel seen and heard and if I don't have Christian community, I have this community, and that's that's enough for me. Oh, oh. Well, anyway, uh, if you love us and you love Stephen and you want to support our work, you can support us at Patreon.com, where Stephen will now be releasing an OnlyFans because he's now no longer morally obligated to Christianity and can therefore do whatever the frick he wants on the internet. So check us out there, um, Emily. Okay, we're do you have a closing thought? We're drop. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Do I have a closing thought? Do I have a closing thought? Yeah. The door is never shut and the table is always big enough. And I think if we are to grow in intentional community, we need to face the reality that community is ever expansive and the individuals that we welcome to the table are just as expansive as the ideas that are presented. So... Rather than closing off on everything and being content, we should always push the horizons and discover new things and be loving and open to new things because drawing the circle wider never hurt anyone. I like that line. That was a good line. Did you come up with that one? Uh, uh, that that is what I call divine at work, my friends. That was that was a good so line. Good. Oh my god. That was uh, a good line. See what I did there? Oh my god. Zinger. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, Stephen, before we stop recording, Emily asked me this earlier. Uh, what's your favorite Narnia book? My favorite Narnia book. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've read them. Uh, I'm going to go with my gut answer, even though I think there's like a theological answer that you're fishing for, but I loved Voyage of the Dawn Treader the most. I was not fishing for an answer, but I love that answer. Some of that. Yeah. I just love the, uh, the adventurousness of that story. And it's like, it has no world building to do. It's just accidentally a story inside of it. You know, where like the first two books have a lot of work to do to like origin story and here's how the kids get to Narnia and here's how they get established as king, kings and queens. Don Treader is just like, oh, we're going back and my cousin's here and he's a <laughs> jerk. <laughs> um, well, yeah. in that case, can I end our episode? <gasps> yes, you have my blessing. Where sky and water meet. Where the waves grow sweet, doubt not, reap a cheap, to find all you seek, there is the utter east.